Well, good morning. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. First Sunday of a new year. We're going to start a new study. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts, which will take us uh, most of 2024. But we're going to begin by reading the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, reading from New American Standard Bible. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, O most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Let's pray. Father, we do pray as we start this new book uh, that you would uh, work amongst us in this fellowship um, to know the joy, the excitement, the power of your spirit, uh, the victory of your word as we uh, seek to make Christ known. So we, we pray uh, that you would be with us this morning, that you would speak through these words that you had Luke record, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So now if you'd like to turn over to Acts chapter 1. We're going to spend a year in Acts. So why spend a year in Acts? What is uh, so important about the book of Acts? So we're going to begin by asking the question, what is the book of Acts? And there's a number of things that... Um, the scriptures reveal. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of of God. Book of Acts is a sequel. Uh, Luke's first volume, the gospel according to Luke, had already been written and sent to Theophilus. Theophilus, uh, the name Theophilus means lover of God, and some people say, well, maybe this was just a code name for, for Christians, but it's more likely, because he says most excellent Theophilus, that this was an actual person named Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus was a very common name in the, in the first century. But Luke ended his gospel with the Lord's ascension and with the words that the believers were in the temple continually praising God. Now he's in Rome. It's at the end of, of uh, Paul's uh, missionary journeys. Uh, Paul's in his first imprisonment. And uh, both at Caesarea, where Paul was for two years, and uh, during this time in Rome, Luke has had the opportunity to think back over it. And led by the Spirit of God, he gives us this history of uh, the first century uh, church. Um, 
he summarizes his, his whole gospel account um, with the words, as that which Jesus began to do and teach. And I want you to focus on that word, began. Jesus came down in a physical body, and he began a work. He acted, he taught, he went to the cross and died. He ascended to heaven. But the work isn't done. And the book of Acts is about the work of Jesus Christ continuing through believers in Jesus Christ indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God who are doing those purposes uh, of Christ. And so we find the apostles performing miracles but attributing the cause to Jesus Christ. Um, we'll be flipping to look at a couple things in Acts, but look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. This, there's a lame man who's begging alms from Peter and John as they go up to the temple. Verse 6, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do give you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene, walk. Go over to verse 16. Now he's before, um, he's preaching to the crowds around. And he says in verse 16, and on the basis of faith in his name, earlier he had said, uh, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, of which fact we're witnesses. On the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Jesus did this miracle. We're continuing the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're continuing the witness of Jesus Christ on earth. And so this book is a sequel. It's a sequel of the work of Jesus Christ, his purposes on earth. Jesus had a physical body. Now his body is us, the church. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, indwelt by the Spirit of God, and your purpose on earth Amen. is to do the work of Jesus Christ. And James or uh, Luke wants us to understand uh, the importance of this book because we're going to see it lived out in front of us. Secondly, it is an accurate first century history. In the 1800s, if you had gone to some of the leading universities of England, you would have been told that Acts was not written by Luke. It was not an actual history. It was a hoax. It was written by someone probably who lived 100 years later who used Luke's name, and it was obvious from the details of the text that it wasn't written by Luke in the first century. It's a hoax. There was a young man. His parents were atheists. Um, his name was William Ramsey. He had gone through school. He had heard this, and he said, I'm going to go to Turkey and Greece, and I'm going to put the nail in the coffin of Christianity by proving that what my teachers have said is absolutely true. And so he went uh, to Greece and to Turkey and he began to excavate uh, these various cities. A year later, he wrote his family, this is proving to be a harder job than I thought it was going to be. 
A couple years later, he wrote his family, every time I turn over a spade of dirt, there's more evidence to the accuracy of the book of Luke. They had said some of the names that Luke used of some of the city officials, those were 100 years later. He dug up uh, monuments that had them listed from the time of Luke using those names. Convinced of the accuracy of the book of Luke, he became convinced of the accuracy of the message of Paul and the others in the book of Luke. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. He became a uh, great Bible scholar. In fact, he wrote two books. St. Paul, the traveler and Roman citizen and the churches of St. Paul where he documents the accuracy of the book of Acts. So when we're going through the book of Acts, these are real people in real places and the events that happened were real events. Our faith is based in a real world of time and space. And it's absolutely true. The third thing is the book of Acts is a story of the spirit. Look at verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time? Is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the epochs which... The times are epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. The Lord Jesus had promised his disciples that when he returned to heaven, he would ask the Father to send them another helper that would be with them Uh, forever, that would indwell them, that the world could not know. Um, They would testify to Christ and help them testify by recalling to their minds the thing Jesus said and did. And after 40 days of appearing to his disciples, the bodily resurrection was, was real. They heard him. They saw him. They were... uh, Thomas was invited to touch him. He spoke to them concerning the, the th- things about the kingdom. He continued teaching that he, on the same subjects he had taught them before. They had eaten with him. It was a, a real bodily resurrection. So just before he ascends, the Lord commands them to stay in Jerusalem for what the Father had promised that is, John had baptized with water. He, they were going to be baptized with the Spirit of God. They were going to be immersed in the Spirit of God. He was going to be united with them. It happened on Pentecost. From Passover to Pentecost was 50 days. The Lord has displayed himself, uh, revealed himself in his resurrection body for 40 days. So he's only asking them to wait about 10 days or so to stay in Jerusalem and to wait for this event. 
And as we will see later in Acts 2, 2 to 4, the Holy Spirit did come. And look at chapter 4 and verse 31. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. The Spirit of God began to embolden them and empower them to speak with boldness. We'll see an example of that in Acts chapter 2 in a couple of weeks. The book of Acts is often referred to as the book of the acts of the apostles, but it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit as he empowered the apostle and others to continue the work of Christ. Uh, we called this in the beginning a new fellowship. Those people who had gathered were a group because they all knew Jesus Christ. They heard Jesus Christ. Uh, they followed Jesus Christ. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. But there's coming a a new fellowship. And this fellowship is marked by the fact that the Spirit of God indwells them. That's the sign of this new fellowship called the church. Paul would write in Romans 8, 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. You have never seen Jesus Christ. You have never heard Jesus Christ. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, indwells you. Amen. And he's made you part. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says we have been called into the fellowship of his Son. Christ is the center of the church. And the Spirit of God. And so he says you have to wait for the Spirit of God. And the book of Acts is this story about how the Spirit of God works. And he works the same way today. There'll be some differences, but we will see the work of the Spirit of God. Fourthly, it is a story of witness to Christ. The word witness is the key word for acts. It's used 29 times, either in the noun or verb form. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, just before his ascension, it says, And Jesus came up to them and spoke, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." And the book of Acts is the story of believers empowered by the Holy Spirit fulfilling this command in their day. And I want to make a couple points out of that. Um, the first is John Stott made the statement, we do not believe in the apostolic succession of men. We believe in the apostolic succession of the message. And what's that mean? There are groups that claim their authority because they say we have a linear line of men who trace their connection all the way back to Peter and Paul in one group 
And another group says, we trace our, our contact all the way back to John. And so John gave his authority to that guy. That guy got his authority from him all the way down to today. And the same Peter and Paul did it down to today. And that's why we have authority. We don't believe that. We believe the authority comes from the word of God. The apostles heard the teachings of Christ. The spirit of God brought them back to their memory. They taught the, the truths of the word of God. They commissioned men to carry that truth out to other places. The spirit of God led them to write those truths down so that you and I ha can have a copy of them in, in our hands. It's the same message that the apostles proclaimed. Go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about, what are they doing? Preaching the word. What word? The word the apostles had taught and communicated them. Philip went down to the city of Samaritans and began proclaiming Christ to them. Philip, one of these seven deacons, Philip the evangelist, he's not one of the apostles. He's there preaching to them. What? The message that he had heard the apostles preach. In 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul tells Timothy, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that's been entrusted to you. In the next chapter, he goes on to say, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The story of the book of Acts is the story of people who received and believed the message of salvation and new life in Christ and who faithfully believed it, lived it, and remained true to that message despite opposition and suffering. That's the story of this book. What was their authority? This book, the teachings of the apostles. What is our authority today? This book. I have no connection to any of the apostles or to anybody who can trace their lineage back to any of the apostles. You know, the best thing you can do is you can read each section of the book that we're going to cover before next week, so the rest of chapter 1 when Bjorn speaks on it. You read that ahead of time. You know, it's like when you're going to visit someplace and you read about it so you have expectation of what you're going to see. And then as Bjorn teaches it, you see it. And then go home and read it again to make sure that what we're saying is what the word of God says. So it anchors in your heart because our authority is the word of God. It's not anybody. It's not if they have degrees behind their name. It's not anything about them. It's about this book. And that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. Secondly, 
This story is meant to be an encouragement to us who follow in their steps. So let me ask you, do you know the message? Are you spending time in this book so you know what the apostles taught? I remember talking to someone sometime, and he said, well, my pastor says. And I said, great. Where did he say it from? Don't say, well, George said. Maybe George is wrong. Is it here? Do you know what the message is? Do you um, live out that message? The thing that made the book of Acts so powerful is not only did they hear the message, believe the message, know the message, it changed their lives like it did for William Ramsey. And so as we hear how their lives were changed, God's going to nudge us and say, how's your life changed? By the message of this book. And then they shared the message. This was something they were excited about. The book of Acts is also a story of the triumph of the gospel. Again, we're, we're going to look at a few verses here. Go to chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who would be saved. Chapter 5, verse 14. And all the, mo and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. Chapter 6, verse 7. The word of God kept spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. As they were going out, as they were sharing this message, people began to be saved. Some of the priests that saw that curtain ripped in two and sewn back together heard the message of Christ, and they believed. Go to um, chapter 12, verse 24. Luke sprinkles this through the entire book. Chapter 12, verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Multiplied where? In people's lives. The emphasis on the word of God. Chapter 13, verse 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region and produced opposition. And then lastly, the very last couple of verses of the book of Acts is, as Luke summarizes it all. He says in verses 30 and 31, and he, Paul, stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and the teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. The story of the book of Acts is the story of the triumph of the gospel. There was opposition. Yes, people were stoned. People were left for dead. People, mobs were formed and ran people out of, out of cities. But lives were being changed. Sometimes we, we experience that opposition. Sometimes uh, 
we say, is the Lord working? Let me tell you, today on planet Earth, tens, perhaps even tens of thousands of people are coming to Christ because the church is doing the work of the Lord Jesus, preaching salvation by faith because of the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God is convicting hearts. And the Spirit of God is drawing people to Christ. And the Spirit of God is causing people to be born again. It's a story of transition. When we begin, it's a group of Jews. They're all Jewish. They're all keeping the law. They're going up to the temple to praise God. What's their holy day? Saturday. When did it move to Sunday? When did it move from I need to go see a priest to we are a priest and can come to God as priests? When did we go from you have to be born into a certain family or be trained in a certain way to spiritual gifts. Where did these, these um, transitions happen? And we catch that here in verses um, 6 and 7. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he says, not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, that word so in verse 6 is something that, that puts you back into verse 5. And so in verse 5, he had told them to remain in Jerusalem and he says, wait for the promise, the Father's promise, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came upon people, it was a sign that the kingdom was about to come. And, and in Isaiah uh, 44, you have that the Spirit comes and they're in the kingdom. In Zechariah uh, 12, uh, verse 10, um, it says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And just like when the Lord Jesus preached in in Nazareth, and, and he stopped in the middle of a verse because the first half of the verse was true of his time. The second half of the verse was true of a coming time. Um, they, they saw in the scriptures, well, the spirit of God comes and the kingdom comes. So it's a, it's a logical thing to say, Lord, does this mean the kingdom's coming right now? And the Lord said, no. In fact, Peter will use those verses in Joel in his sermon in, in chapter 2, verses 17 to 21, and he'll end it with, and it shall be everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And that chapter in Joel goes for a couple more verses and goes into chapter 3 and talks about God's judgment in, in the day of the Lord and, and the kingdom of Israel. Peter stops led by the Spirit. And so they said, Lord, is, is the kingdom going to come? And the Lord says, no. Uh, he corrects them, not about the fact that there will be a kingdom and the Lord will reign on earth, but he corrects them about the time of the coming kingdom. It was not for the disciples to know the timetable that the Father had set by his own authority. The important thing was not to be curious and speculate about the future. The important thing is to be busy in the present. I have a job for you to do. Yes, the kingdom's going to come. The Lord Jesus is going to come. Are you busy now? And that's what the Lord said to the disciple. I have a task for you. I don't want you to spend your time speculating. Now, later there'll be some teaching, especially in First and Second Thessalonians, more about that. But he says, I don't want you to spend all your time speculating about that. No, I want you to be busy. In contrast to knowing the details of the coming kingdom, they had a clear assigned task in the power of the Spirit to be Christ's witnesses from Jerusalem to the remotest part of the earth. The mention of Samaria in the remotest part of the earth is the first indication that this fellowship is going to be something different than the nation of Israel. So as we go through the book of Acts, there's a transition from Judaism to how this new fellowship, the church, will function. And so as we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see changes in what they did in Judaism and what they're doing in the church. The key to the book of Acts is to understand that you have to, you have to understand some things are prescriptive. In other words, this, this is how it should be done. And some things are simply descriptive. This is what they did. I'll give you an example. We break bread every Sunday. Now, why do we do that? Because Acts 20 says, on the first day of the week, the disciples gathered to break bread. We see that in the book of Acts as prescriptive. It's something God wants us to do. Now, the actual command of Scripture is, as often as you do this, you remember the Lord. So other groups say, once a month. Other groups say, once a quarter, once every three months. They view that in the book of Acts as descriptive. It's simply telling you what they did. It is not mandatory that we do it and so we will go through a bunch of things in acts where they have all things in common you all bring your money in and we distribute it out is that how we're to live today well we're going to have to talk about is it descriptive or prescriptive um, and it can be hard to discern what is for our instruction and what's just telling what happened it's a story of inclusion Part of this transition is the realization that Jesus Christ is more than the Jewish Messiah. If you remember the story in John 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well and she becomes convinced he's the Messiah, and she runs the town and she tells the people, and the Lord stays there for two more days, and the Jews 
say to the, or the Samaritans say to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. See, they understood. He's more than the Jewish Messiah. There's no, no place in Judaism for a bunch of Samaritans unless they convert and become uh, Jews. And the book of Acts is a story of inclusion. Um, if we went to Acts chapter 8, Philip, we saw, went down to Samaria and he preached and he proclaimed Christ to them. And they believed. In verse 14, Peter and John are sent down to investigate and prayed for them to receive the Spirit. And we'll talk about why they didn't get it uh, the minute they believed like we do today. And then in verse 25, Peter and John preached the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans on their way home. They weren't preaching to the Samaritans before that. They were preaching to the Jews about the Jewish Messiah. But some had gone and, and Samaritans got saved. And what a shock. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And God said they're part of this new fellowship. In Acts chapter 10, Peter sent to preach the gospel to Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And while Steter, Peter was still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it says the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. And in chapter 11, when Peter gets back to Jerusalem, he's confronted by some Jewish believers who said, you, we heard you went and ate in a Gentile's home with him, which was Forbidden for Jews. You didn't do that. And Peter tells the whole story. And they said, amazing. God's decided to extend the repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles. As God begins to change their thinking from Jesus is the Messiah who's going to have a kingdom for Israel to Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. These are problems we face. It's hard to go through transition. We've gone through transition in this body from when we were about 60 to look at us today. There were changes made. There were transitions we had to go through. And one of the key facts that led to that was what is best for the whole body was one of the guiding principles. There's inclusion from people that, that are different, but they're believers in Christ. So we have fellowship with our sister church, Christian fellowship. It's a story of inclusion. Later in the epistles, situations like owners and slaves, both sets who are believers, how do they relate to each other in the church? <laughs> what if the slave's the elder in the church and the slave in his house? How do you relate to some of these things? How do you uh, work out these things? And this new fellowship is to be one fellowship, not a Jewish one and a Samaritan one and a Gentile one. Paul will say, one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of us all. Let me give you a quick outline. 
often you'll see Acts 1-8 used as a geographical outline. They went from Jerusalem, they preached in Jerusalem, they spread to Samaria, then they went to, or to Judea, then they went to Samaria, and then they went to the uttermost parts of the earth, which one of the men said, that's why they end in Rome, because Rome's the, the center of the world civilization that way. And it's 1,400 miles from, from Jerusalem. It, it's a, a picture of going out into the remote places. Let me recommend a, a, another outline. This one is by Dave Glock. Um, and I put this, so there's sheets outside the, the um, uh, office. Uh, on one side, he, he talks about the six phases of foundation, transition, inclusion, authentication, direction, and conclusion. And he gives on this side uh, the major movements. And on the back side, he gives you a list of every major event that occurred in that section. And this is just a, a good little thing you can kind of go through and you can say, well, in this chapter, how is this foundational to who they're becoming? And in this section, what's the transition they're facing here? What's the inclusion they're facing here? And you'll sense the, the, um, the kind of situation that the church is working through because they face the same things we face. Now, I'm going to... Um, can you show the, the video? I want to show the video by... Uh, um, Jabe Nicholson, his three and a half minute, uh, here's what the book of Acts is, and then I'll have a couple comments on verses 9 through 11, very, very short, and we'll close. This thrilling book is actually the ongoing acts of Christ by the Spirit through his church. The Holy Spirit is referred to 54 times in Acts, more than in any other book in the Bible. Being full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit was the secret to the believer's success. Written by Dr. Luke to the same Theophilus who received the gospel by his hand, the book covers almost the same time span as the Lord's earthly life, 33 years with key events from Christ's return to heaven in AD 30 until Paul's house arrest in Rome in AD 63. The book of Acts can be outlined in at least four ways. Number one, biographically. Who were the key figures? In chapters one to five and again in nine to 12, we see the ministry of Peter. Chapters six and seven record Stephen's message and martyrdom. In chapter eight, it's the work of Philip. Barnabas features in chapter 11 and he labors with Paul on the first missionary journey in 13 and 14. The continuing activity of Paul is traced from this point with his second journey with Silas in chapters 15 through the middle of 18 and continuing to the end of the book. Timothy joins the team in chapters 16 through 20. These seven men take the lead, although Acts has a cast of thousands who went everywhere preaching the word, chapter eight, verse four. Number two, ethnically. Who was being reached with the gospel? Acts records a transition from an almost exclusive Jewish audience until the gospel goes out almost entirely to the Gentiles. In Acts 8, we have the conversion of a political leader from Africa, a son of Ham. 
In Acts 9, Saul is saved, a religious leader from Asia of the house of Shem. And in Acts 10, Peter witnesses to Cornelius, a military leader from Europe, a son of Japheth. Note the growth markers in 6, 7, 9, 31, 12, 24, 16, 5, 19, 20, and 28, 30 to 31. Some suggest these are the book's divisions. Number three, geographically. Where was the gospel spreading? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, said the Lord in Acts 1.8. The work in Jerusalem and Judea is recorded in chapters 1 through 8, in Samaria in chapter 9, and the rest of the book recounts the ever-widening ripples eventually reaching to the ends of the earth. Number four, doctrinally. Three chords tie this theme together, each providing the many teaching moments in the book. First, they were dealing with Jewish objections to the Christian message. Second, were internal struggles among the believers. And third, engagements with the pagan world. Note also the model sermons preached especially by Peter, Stephen, and Paul. The book of Acts doesn't seem to end. What happened to Peter, to Paul? Of course, it hasn't ended. Hopefully, we're all adding a chapter to the record. One of these days it will be finished. What a story will be unfolded then. And that's our scripture snapshot of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 as we close. After he, Jesus, had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again just in the same way as you watched him go into heaven. Lord Jesus came to do a work. He ascended to heaven, and he's turned that work over to us. He's given us his spirit to empower us as we're filled by the spirit, as we're led by the spirit, as Jabe talked about. You have a job to do for Jesus Christ. He's given you a gift. He's given you um, works to do, Ephesians 2.10 says, that was foreordained for you. He's coming back. Before he comes back to rule on earth, there's going to be a time when we as believers meet with the Lord Jesus. And the question is, what did you do? And so as we go through the book of Acts, be encouraged. This is a book that, that talks about the struggles we all have. And talks about the victory that we, God wants us to have as his spirit works in our lives and through us in this world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this book and we pray as as we spend time in it, that you will uh, give us a hunger, a hunger to, to know your spirit and his working in our lives, a hunger to know your word, a hunger to be doing the tasks that Jesus Christ has left us here to do. May we, as a corporate group, be the body of Jesus Christ to the, those we come in contact with. May they they know his love. May they see his concern for them. May they hear from us his words 
of encouragement, hope, and love because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.